Welcome to Season 2, Episode 31 of Game Dev with a Shot of Jameson. My name is Jameson Doral, and I'm a game designer with over 20 years of experience, and I like to help people learn more about video game development. Today we're joined by Shiva Dianarin, Project Lead at Offworld Industries. We discuss the importance of addressing burnout, how to keep a finger on the pulse of the industry, and why game remakes are so popular right now. Don't forget you can join the conversation live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. There's a link in the show notes if you want to come get your questions answered live next time. But for now, let's get this episode started. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Pretty good. Just pretty good? Good to see some folks here. Yeah. Um, came back from a little break. It was good. Yeah. Really good. That's and, good. Uh, yeah and bricks are good and um back at it again that's good nice. to see some people in the chat seeing jake in the chat hey jake what's uh nice jake's a good guy but he's coming out to see you that's yeah good. i see a couple of um people from off world here nice uh shinobi's here um th- yeah we'll see that. Let's see who shows up. <laughs> see who yeah. really supports you. No. <laughs> yeah, the real people. That's right. <laughs> Man, you're talking about uh, a break. We, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We're doing a wellness week the first week of July. The whole company's shutting down, so really looking forward oh, to that. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing like a little summer break thing? Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking yeah, forward yeah. to Those it. Things are... I mean, it's the first time post- covid that people actually get time to see family or travel and go places so yeah yeah it's i uh, like our team i am all about giving them that chance you know um some of them want to take some time to see family we have like our studio is very international Mm. so if they need to travel off they go go travel go see your folks go do your thing it's your first summer dude go 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 that's awesome. Yeah. Mm. I'm I'm a fan. I, I like I like that mentality. And I think we've we've proven time and again that you know, employees that are are happy and healthy and rested are way more productive, right? Like like yeah. we're gonna, we'll have those moments, right, where we we've, we've got to bear down, we've got to really, you know, get through something. Hopefully it's a short amount of time, but then after that we got to we got to recover. Mhm. Yeah. Like it's not it's not a maintained it's not a maintained thing when you push yourself you know like into turbo mode it's not something you can keep keep going at and stuff and you have to i mean trust yourself trust trust the your team that you work with yeah you kind of understand that and 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 do that right like i'm i'm really lucky to have an awesome team so when i took the time off i hand the reins over to uh some of the team and like they they took it and ran with it. You know, um, it was great. Yeah. You, you got to trust the so. people to do that too. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. Th- that gets away from the whole, well, one, you got to be always be able to pass a bus test. Right. So if you, if you, for some reason are not there, mm-hmm. things have to go on. Right. So you always mm-hmm. need to be prepared to do that. And those are good kind of tests, you know, at times to be like, who would take this over? Who's going to make sure this thing moves through, you know? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Those, those are things, <laughs> you know, like you, you tend to you tend to realize what happened um only when it's happened. Yeah, right? <laughs> <It's not> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
but that's also another good thing or something that we tend to kind of have to figure out in game development is we never know when those curves are coming. Right. So we get really yeah. good at, you know, well, here's today's new problem. How are we going to solve that one? So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the secret, the actual or the real secret um, of, um, oh, it's Mickey. Hey, Mickey. Mickey is one of our principal artists. Oh, nice. Over at Opera. Yeah. We have a few of them inside here. Uh, shout out to them. Anyway, they have a time like the real secret of game dev, I think, is we really don't know <laughs> until it actually is is there and we test it out and yeah. we say, Oh yeah, this is cool. It's not like you just put something down on paper and say, This is gonna be great. <laughs> yeah. Man doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't that... work. Wish it did, but it doesn't work like that. <laughs> That's why getting something playable as soon as possible mm-hmm. is so important, right? Like, yeah. so you can make sure that it's actually going to be something worth doing, and then you can keep iterating on top of it. Yeah, get get some stuff out there. Yeah, man, it's it's fun though. Like, never a dull moment for sure. Yeah, you know, um, if you want a dull moment, you could go work in some other job that does that. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it here because it's. It's it's kind of nuts and um, yeah, it's good being nuts around people that are nuts doing crazy <laughs> things. So that's what that's what I do. Yeah, I always say like for me it boils down to problem solving. I love solving problems. We have new problems mm-hmm. every day, mm-hmm. and even the same problem that we have, we probably solved a different way in the past on a different game because of the people were different. The the tools were different. The game was different. Like it's, it's always like, there's a lot of, you can lean on your experience, but you still have to leverage for the solution that works now. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, man. Um, Yeah. So you ready to get started? Uh, Let's do it. All right. I like to start at the beginning. All right, so oh, tell wow. us where you grew up and what did you think you were going to be when you got older? Yeah, that's a... Mm. So I am from the Caribbean. Okay. Um, I am actually from Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago. It's for people that, people that kind of just want a reference point. Um, Florida is here. Then there's Cuba. Then all the islands of the Caribbean. And Trinidad is the last one, <laughs> right? Uh, we're off the coast of Venezuela. I don't speak Spanish, right? Um, <laughs> just speak English. Um, so I grew up in in the Caribbean in Trinidad, and I mean, like, just like a lot of people, games were games were a thing for most of us. Games was always a thing. We loved it and stuff. And I wanted to get into games somewhere in the mid nineties, end of end nineties, like. Kind of like, well, I'm old, right? We're old people. So <laughs> end of nineties when we were going into um, university and stuff, and uh, I was curious about the industry, and I started digging into it around the time. You all remember when they had like GameSpot TV mm-hmm. and extended play before it was X Play? Oh yeah. And was it ZDTV and all that kind of stuff? And you're looking at it, it's like, damn, that looks so cool. They get to review games and, you know, tighten up the graphics on level three so <laughs> That's far. Right. You know? <laughs> and um, so you started, we had no reference point to actually talk about because the, the game industry, first of all, it was super small then. 
Uh, second of all, they were very siloed from entertainment, from everything else. It was not mainstream. Right. So if you wanted to get into games, you kind of just stumble into it, right? It kind of just it kind of just happens. And being from the Caribbean, there is nobody that could have given me any kind of direction where to go. All they would say is like, you need to be like John Carmack. Why? <laughs> because John Carmack can do quick John Carmack. That's all they would say. They don't know right. And um um it was programming was just I could I couldn't wrap my head around Spotify. I couldn't wrap my head around code. Mm. It was a difficult thing to do. I eventually did. And we'll get to that one. Jameson knows that one too. Um <laughs> but um I, I kinda just decided to take the route of like design or something in that direction and um when i told my folks i wanted to get into games the first thought was like what you want to do what because guy from the caribbean the caribbean is an energy sector most people either do law they do medicine or they go into engineering because hmm. an energy sector and we have a lot of oil down there. Uh. so so they say you want to make games is like yeah no that's not working that's not that's not a thing I still wanted to do it, so uh, I was able to convince my folks. I did my own research, dug around a few uh, places, ended up going to the now defunct and total ripoff ITT tech, right? That um, oh, did you? But, All right. Yeah, dude, I went, but I got, I got my worth out of there. But like that school was basically a school like uh, people out of military would go to that school, like a community college, mm -hmm. and they started to want to branch out into games. But their game dev track was nothing like games. It was like a course in animation and a course in Photoshop and something to do with video editing. And this isn't games, right? This is just pieces of pieces of games, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's all they would, at, at the time, that's all people could tell you right that's all they knew so um uh i was doing that um i ended up doing the first half of the degree in florida and then i moved to san diego where i kind of started branching then i started to meet folks because you know on the west coast it has a lot of studios uh san diego was near sony san mm -hmm. diego it was near um was that high moon studios and those those folks were there also, that's where I met our buddy Roger, right? Cotton, yeah. Who was actually, Roger was teaching there, right? And I met Roger there, and Roger started introducing me to his buddies that work in games, that a lot of them went off to do indie stuff and so on. And it started to fascinate me about those kind of things. I finished that degree there, but immediately realized look, I don't know enough. It's mm. not enough. And I need to get into. I need to get my head around game dev in a bigger way, like actual dev process. So that's when I started digging into full sale stuff. Okay. And I saw full sale had a master's in game design. And um, the, I, 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 it was interested in it. I saw some, some stuff about it. It was mostly production based yeah. at the time mm -hmm. uh, instead of design based. But I was interested in it, so I jumped into that. And um, um, I went there, and I finished, I finished that degree. That full sale was actually where I made 
a huge, huge amount of network folks. Not just not just like full bringing people in to talk to you, but also realize that look, you need to get out to GDC. You need to get out to some of these places. And yeah. it's it's something that I tell a lot of the um a lot of the students who still ping me on LinkedIn, like from full sale, ask me to join and stuff, and they say, um, you know, look, I'm trying to get into games. What should I do? And I, and I always tell them, get yourself out onto the West Coast. <laughs> like, and I can't get out to the West Coast. So it's like, okay, you have a lot of opportunities as well. Like, get on, get on Twitch with Jameson and, and talk <laughs> That's to him. Right. And, you know, get on. Um, there, there's a ton. There's a ton of folks that are doing things like there's a whole indie dev channel on Twitch. You know, like I found my way into dev through um, was it indie.db, right? Which was like this super indie site that has like a GeoCities looking design to it. Oh wow! It's just a bunch of guys that just put up advertisements for mods that they want to make games in. Oh uh, okay. And um. When I was when I had graduated, I graduated around the same time as Ari. I think we both know Ari Patrick. Oh yeah. And um, and so Ari is now at um at Epic, right? As Unreal. But Ari and I were in the same boat. We were working on this indie project in Unreal Three, which was a total conversion game, uh, from Unreal Tournament Three, and um, the game was um. It was basically Mad Max Unreal Tournament. They reskinned the game and decided to mod it, make their own heroes and everything. And it's called Warm Gun. And um, Ari basically just got the gig for Doom um, at id. And he said, look, I can't work on this game anymore. You want to you wanna take over as producer? So I said, sure. <laughs> and um, I, I got that gig. But while that was happening, an, another friend of mine, his name is Evan, um, Evan and I went to ITT together. He's probably the only person from ITT that actually succeeded as Evan is lead combat designer at NetherRealm okay. on the MK. Anything, anytime you see um, um, Melina or Liu Kang, it's him, <laughs> right? That's okay. him. He, he owns those characters, right? Um, so he was, uh, uh, him and I, we're looking to make a mobile game where mobile was just the first thing ever. Like nobody knew about mobile games. This was like Mafia Wars was the thing oh, that everybody wow. was playing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. What and, what um, year are we talking roughly? Do you 2009, know? 2009, okay. 2010, right? And um, we decided to make a game that was one of the first games to use the haptic, or not really haptic, the touch, haptic was the name of the thing, the touch system on the iPhone, which was, you know, the A, B button and the left and right button. Mm. And um, we made a game called Ronin the Samurai, which is no longer on the stores. I think somebody took the name or something as well, because, you know, if you don't update the game, it just gets removed. So we put that out. We didn't even know how much to sell it for, like two ninety nine, three ninety nine. Like there was no, there was no expectation that nobody knew. So we put that out. Nobody bought it. I think I think like 18 people bought it, including us, right? That was it. <laughs> and um and then we put out a game for free called Tilt a Frog, which basically used the gyro system on the phone. Right? And this was like nobody, this was just like new things. This is the game that was popular right at that time was Catch Your Phone, which was an app that lets you throw your phone into the air. 
and it determines how long it takes for it to fall <laughs> before you catch it. Yeah, that was it. It was catch your phone. Most people used to break their phone. Yeah. And um seems and, smart. Um, yeah. So so after we played with all of that, we kinda we kinda um I, I went to GDC. This is like my second or third time at GDC. The first time I went to GDC was 2010. And I went there and it was extremely uh, daunting. I felt like this tiny, tiny fish in this giant pond. Mm. Now, GDCs have changed a, changed a lot. Like, Riot wasn't acquired by Tencent at the time. Riot was kind of like their own thing at the time. Blizzard had a booth back then. You know, Microsoft had a booth and Sony and their booth and everybody had their booth. And so it was different then. But you just you would go inside there and you'd hear a lot of stuff people saying oh i'm gonna walk with your resume and your portfolio and you know have your stuff and you walk in there and there's like twenty thousand people the exact same way yep right twenty thousand other kids out of different universities from all over the place all in a jacket or in a shirt and they're looking to get a job they're hustling to get a job just like you and you walk and there's just sea of students just looking to get a job and they obviously don't know where to go, so they just gravitate towards the big studios. So yeah. they go to Sony, go to Microsoft, they go over to Nintendo. They go... And most of these places aren't hiring, right? Like, they're there to showcase their stuff. Yeah. And they're disappointed, they're sad. They talk to a recruiter, and the recruiter kind of shuts them down. It's not <laughs> shut down. It's just like, oh, go to our website, xbox.com or sony.com slash jobs. And you're like, yeah. I'm here now. I could have done that from home. And, yeah, right? And stuff like and so it was really daunting like the day I went there. After after that year I said, look, if I go back again next year, I'm gonna walk with I'm gonna be prepared. I'm gonna walk prepared. I'm gonna walk with some ammunition. So I went the next time. This is after I graduated. And I actually met up with some of the guys from Warm Gun there because what was happening at that time was um uh was it mark rain who well i guess he is still part of epic but mark rain at the time was head of marketing at epic right and he said look if you guys could put warm gun on an ipad i'll waive the cost of unreal 3 because back then you had to pay a premium if you want to use their engine the engine was there like the engine um the unreal script and the base engine of unreal 3 was in there free when you bought a disc copy of Unreal Tournament 3, or if you download Unreal Tournament 3, uh, but it was like an editor tool, right? And that's when we built the game in, and he said, look, if you guys could put this game on on um, on iPad, I'll waive the cost. And we did we put it on iPad, and he waived the cost, so we didn't have to pay any premium to put it on, on, on um, to pay for them. So we put it on the store, and back then, like, this was before Chair brought out uh, what was the game that was popular on mobile from Chair, the Unreal Unreal game that looked like a Dark Souls-ish kind of game? Um, and they made up the three versions uh, of it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, the one where you keep dying. Um, yeah, yeah. Why can't I think of the name of it? <laughs> I know what mm. you're talking about. Yeah, that game looks really good it's uh, for really mobile, pretty, right? Yeah, because it was one of the first like games to come out. Infinite on Unreal, right? or in what oh, man? What was that called? I don't, I'm gonna I'll look it up now. Googling right now. I was somebody's Googling right now to tell us some like win our prize or something. So um we got it out before them, but you know, we didn't have the marketing or noise or anything to get it get it hyped up. 
So anyway, um, when we got it out and we waved that price, the team was like super hyped, super awesome, super, um, super ecstatic and stuff. And we went and um, we were celebrating about celebrating with it. We had guys that were 18 years old, so they couldn't drink. They couldn't go to any of the parties. So we just, um, um, so we just kind of had lunch in places. Um, so uh, that was when I was approached by our good pal Rob is Rob Coble, Rob Coble, mm-hmm. our good buddy Rob. Yeah, Coble. yeah. And Rob said, "Sledgehammer is looking for producers. Go on, yeah, it's the blade. You got it. Yeah, <laughs> Sledgehammer is looking for producers. Go talk to them." And it was me. It was um for Sean. It was Sean Paris, and it was um Mike Michael. Forget his last name, right? You know him because he comes to some of the things as well. Um, but um, he used to work on, he used to work with Magic Leap on those guys, and I think he's oh, at Blizzard now. Michael's um, at Blizzard John now. Stone. John Stone, right? The three of us, the four of us went, and I was the only international person. I was like, holy crap, I am not going to get this job because you have three people that are U.S. citizens and I don't have mm. my work visa. I don't have any of this stuff. I'm on a student work visa for a year. What's going to happen? People that are international could tell you about that. So this is like um, right after you graduated from the master's. Right. So okay. I was on the one-year work visa thing. Gotcha. So um, so I went, to, I went to the Sledgehammer booth and I was screened by Guy B. Do you guys know who Guy B is? That name sounds really Guy familiar. Is Dr. Disrespect. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. When okay. He, yeah. yeah. So Guy and I uh, met, and we talk, We hung out that entire night. This, he was still Dr. Disrespect, but he was just much, much smaller back then. He had his YouTube presence and stuff, right? And we hung out, and um, he told me at the end of the night, you don't worry, you got the job. And <laughs> he said, come with me. And we went to the prototype 2, had a launch party now it was a green light party it wasn't the game launch it was a green light party and it was at at um at the w or as some would say the w yeah so w (laughs) so um we went there and they had like you know cheese and crackers and ham and all kinds of weird stuff to eat and (laughs) i was sitting down there talking with these i was like dude i am talking with Activision folks, right? Like this is super cool. And <laughs> the next morning, I uh, I just contacted them and said, "Is there anything you guys want?" They said, "Yeah, sure. Send your resume, whatever." And I was just hoping for the best. You know, I hope things happen. I got a call two weeks later with a one hour for a one hour interview with uh, Halon, who was at the time the design director, who is now head of studio at Sledgehammer. And I I talked to him once a week all the time still and um i love uh, aaron halon man like yeah <laughs> we worked together on godfather godfather one yeah. and two and uh mm. we we hung we played a lot of warhammer we played a lot of poker like i love that guy he's, he's, a he's awesome really nice person one of the really nicest nice. people i've ever met like really yeah. is yeah yeah genuinely genuinely awesome and um so he was he was actually my first mentor for as a as in games and he's probably still one of my biggest mentors for uh, get it, for for production or games 
So I came in as an assistant producer on Dracod. Uh, I got I interviewed with him, then I interviewed, I did a fly out, and um, then I was given the given the job, and um, I started about three weeks later, and it was a it was a four month contract, and if they wanted or they liked you, they would keep you. Yeah. And they kept me from April till November, till nice. the end of the project, right? Because I was doing stuff. And um, it was so good that by November, when Modern Warfare 3 was shipping, um, they said, hey, there's a position open in Minneapolis for a producer. And it's a step up. It's in publishing, though, but it's a step up from assistant producer. You'll actually be an associate producer. Mm -hmm. Um, which is in Activision terms, it's a step up before producer. Yeah. Um, and um, I said, yeah, sure, I'll I'll go, I'll take it. Cold, no cold, whatever. This is you're building your career, right? So like you yeah. go where it goes, right? Yep. Um, and if you can't go, so I did. So um, I shipped off and I started a week later at Minneapolis. Now, Minneapolis Activision is the other side of Activision, so to speak, right? So, Cot, like you said, Cot is like the absolute top, and then Minneapolis is way down there. Right? <laughs> like they make. I haven't even make, heard like, of Minneapolis. So yeah, <laughs> so it's like it's like they make Cabela, they make Zuzu Pet, they make uh. you know, and and like and I was like, look, whatever, right? I'll go make whatever. Um, but coming off of Modern Warfare 3 to this, it felt it felt kind of like, uh, okay, fine, I'll do it, whatever, I'll do it. And um, I moved over there, and they told me, so we just, we sent headquarters, Activision, sent over the Hasbro Marvel license to Minneapolis to work on, because Minneapolis runs lean, right? For people that know dev or anything, lean means you just do more with less, right? Um so they put me on associate producer for Transformers Prime, Fall of Cybertron, and then I was part of the Ma uh, Marvel Hasbro group. So I was also working on Deadpool, Spider-Man with Beanox. I was working on wherever else in that bracket, right? Yeah. Um, um, and and then because it was publishing, we kind of had hands in different things. So like I had to do all these submissions for Cabela's. Um, I was the only one that submitted. Um, uh. This was Wii U launch, right? This was for Wii U launch 2012. So it's very rare to get the opportunity to work in games when you're on a launch of a platform um, because it's super, super crazy during the launch of a platform. Like, most of the tech on the platform isn't ready. Uh, most of the tools that dev is working on isn't compatible with the tech that isn't ready. And mm. you somehow have to just make it work, right? Like, you just have to get it to work. And um, um, we submitted, I submitted and got uh, Prime approved super early. So then they said, hey, Blackout, you can't, is failing submission with Nintendo. And um, 23 submissions, right, they did to Nintendo because they were failing. Well, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, PS3 as well was wow. 23. So PS3 for Blackout so most didn't ship. Oh, it was wow. dangerously close. It was yeah, in a state. Anybody that worked on PS3 360 games could tell you PS3 was a nightmare to work on as a as a platform. Um, it was all backwards stuff. But um, the the what they did with the four though, when they did PS4 and PS5, like they fixed that really good. PS4 and PS5 became primary platforms 
right for for um, for development is great but um the, the 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 cool thing that happened with that was i got a lot of experience in terms of publishing and like process of yeah. on at the high level um after coming out of trenches right in yeah death, right um so it, it went it went different ways then they had like the big exodus the big exodus at minneapolis where they basically canceled all the license ips at activision oh and um they said we're killing all our ips uh there's no turnaround for us on license IP kind of stuff, and we kind of put it down in terms of how much we're spending versus how much we're getting, and um, because you know they would they first had studios in Activision making the games, so like High Moon would make Transformers, and they would make Fall of Cybertron and War for Cybertron, which were, in my opinion, they're some of the best Transformers games ever made, right? And um, but they also used to work on the movie games, which I didn't like to do. And the movie games were like quick and dirty because they had to come out with the films and mm-hmm. we know about that and we worked on that before. And um and they just said, like, look, we're done. We're done with Transformer stuff. Like we want to do something else. And that's when Destiny was spinning up. So they had them helping out on Destiny stuff. And Destiny wasn't even announced yet, right? But that's when Destiny spin up. And um and they but they said, look, we're getting rid of all this. So High Moon and Binox are no longer doing licensed IPs. They're falling into the Call of Duty or Destiny bracket mm-hmm. and helping out on those things. VV at the time was just finishing up on um, Vicarious, was just finishing up on. Um, they just did their MUA 1 and 2, Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2. Yeah. And um, so um, they were also spinning up on Destiny because they were owning PC Destiny at the time when they were, when they were considering it. And um, um, after that happened, they didn't need all these people anymore. There were 27 producers in there. And by the time I left, there were five. And um, then there was just one. And he kind of just closed up the shop. I still talk to him really, really well. Scott, his name is Scott Hawkins. He is now head of all third party for Nintendo North and South America. He's really awesome, really nice guy. I went to visit him. 2019 at Nintendo is great. I promise to take some of the folks down uh, from Offworld down there because you can only shop in that store if you're with a Nintendo employee. <laughs> the Nintendo oh. store in Seattle. Yeah. Um, when that happened is when I got the call from Coalition, which was at the time called Black Tusk Studios, and they said, "Hey, we're working on this unannounced game, and we need some help." on production side, on outsource side, and you have just worked with a bunch of like outsource studios on projects because Transformers Prime was done completely with an outsource studio. You have outsource experience, come come do outsource with us. Okay. So I went up to Vancouver and um they uh I was there for about a year before they canned the unannounced project and they acquired Gears of War. And then I started doing Gears of War and Gears of War, Gears of War Game of the Year, and then Gears of War Four, and um, um, we did all. I did. I was responsible for a lot of the infrastructure stuff there, like with the infrastructure team, basically libraries and all that kind of stuff, and making sure foundations and stuff were set up for the team before my time there was up, mm. and then that was it. I, I was, but I was 
really tired, dude. Like I was moving all over the place, you know, for about four years, and I was I was dead tired. And I said, look, I'm gonna take a break. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of burnt out. I need to take a break. So I went back home to Trinidad, and I said, I want to try to help build this community a little bit, um, the Trinidad community. So I wanted to first find out where they're at in terms of, you know progression like how are they how are they in terms of their work so i went to visit they have some incubation sites that are um, that in the caribbean that are funded by the government for some sort of development i don't know what the goal is for it but i was observing that they're just animators they're just a bunch of animators that are animate doing animations in unreal engine and then attaching the controls to it right like it's not really game development per se, in a way it is, but they're just blueprint developers. So I said, look, we need we need some we need some uh what do you call it? Some um coders. We need C coders inside here, right? To do this kind of thing. Which was very difficult to find in the Caribbean. These guys like I mean they teach them programming for uh for engineering. Mm-hmm. So like they're not supposed to go to do they do COBOL and <laughs> that oh. kind of stuff, you know, like the gotcha. you know, the, the ancient code, right? Programming. Yeah. <laughs> or as Jake would say, program. Sorry, Jake. I, I, <laughs> right? And um so so um we didn't really have those kind of folks and the um the I had to try to find a way to outsource these guys. Now, outsourcing code is not a thing. And That's there's a tough. reason for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's a reason for right? Um, but we managed to, I managed to pitch an idea with the team for funding for at least five years for them to get something off the ground. And I was working with them on that for the time. I had some interviews with a couple other studios I had a flight actually to Texas to to um the studio. I don't think they exist anymore. Called Six Foot. You know what they made? They made a game called Grey Goo. You remember that game, Grey Goo? Yeah. And then they made a game afterwards called Rhyme. And then they made a game. They were gonna put me on um was Dreadnought. You remember Dreadnought? That was like the big cruiser battle game with the giant cruisers oh, yeah, and low yeah. orbit fighting. Yep. Yeah. Um. That's by Jaeger, right? The guys that are, I think they're doing something else now, right? But, um, so I was going to be, like, producer on that. And then things backfired on that, with that studio. Things kind of, contracts ended, and, they, you know, they, they shut down. That didn't work out. Then, it was it was so weird. Like, I then I had another interview with Starbreeze. And Starbreeze was looking at somebody for uh for their... Well, I think yes, yeah, Starbreeze was making the Walking Dead, Left for Dead kind of game, right? And we said like, "Hey, you want to do something with us on that? We plan on building something else." And I was like, "Sure." And things were going great, and then all of a sudden, I saw an article in the news that Starbreeze is being investigated for insider trading, and oh. like police went to the <laughs> studio, and I just like, all right. I get a message from HR, and HR is like, yeah, we have to stop all interviews right now because of what's <laughs> happening. It's like, holy crap, like, what is going on? <laughs> you know, like, 
am I just like, is the universe trying to tell me something? I don't know, right? Um, and uh, after that, like, uh, I got, actually, I just got a random cold call from a recruiter for a position at Offworld saying like, hey, we're looking for a producer on Offworld. I was like, okay. Um, and I saw Offworld had, had this project called Squad. And Squad was, um, Squad was doing pretty well for them. And they were happy with it. And they wanted to make it, they wanted it to grow, grow into something better. And, um, and there were a young studio growing into something. I was like, sure, I'll come across and help. And um, I actually didn't know what I was working on until I came in the first day because mm. it 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 ha- they have like a few we had a few secret projects at the time. So when I came in, the first day, it was like, "Yeah, you're working on X." I was like, "Oh, cool, okay." And um, <laughs> and and um, I I came across on came across and it was just I think Chuck is here. Chuck is um Chuck is one of the founders from Offworld. He might be in the channel. I'm not sure, but um. Uh, so it was just me, Chuck, and like two other people. We call him Chuck. His real name is uh, name is Alistair, but we call him Chuck. Mm. And um, uh, and we're like, yeah, we're gonna make X this game X, right? We're gonna make this game. And it was just me, him, and like two people, and we had to figure out how to build a team, how to build everything, process. Like this was new for the studio production process, pipelines, you know, design pipelines asset pipelines you know live ops all the stuff we had to build and um we kind of just figured it out over time the funny thing was this was like 2019 we built a prototype of the game we looked at it we said like hey these things work these things don't work this is all we're gonna do and we started and we got to a stage where like okay we're ready for dev and then covid hit <laughs> oh man yeah right so basically (laughs) we just like had to figure out how to build the game at home and um but the team was super into it they're super eager they're super excited about it i would say i have never been more happier in dev than i have been at this studio and i have had my fill of triple a i don't ever see myself going back to triple a again interesting ever you know um Unless it paying me like ridiculous amounts of money or something, right? <laughs> but I, I don't, I don't see myself wanting to go back there. It's, I like, I like this sense of the teams loving what they build and they build what they love and championing it with them, and that's what these folks are about. And I, and I believe in that because you don't get, you don't get anything better than that. Like we play the game twice a week as a team every week for the last two and a half years nice like it, twice a week we are in the game playing it as a team everybody just floods in and we launch up servers and we play and that is rare in in a lot of studios where they play games they just build the game and then they have their focus tests or their groups you know that go and play the game and give them feedback on what they need to fix and Nobody really plays the game. The most I think I ever saw on COD was, you know, the morning they'd have stand-ups and like the studio head and people would go into the go into the the um the movie theater room and they'd load up the latest build and look at it and give notes and then they would carry those notes out to the team and tell everybody. It's like, nah, the whole team sits down and plays this game. All of us sit down and play it, right? And um people talk, they say what they like, they say what they don't like, they say what they want to do, we make the yeah. notes, we, we have you know, and and think because 
it gives people a sense of ownership. It gives them a chance to, and it's rare in games for everybody to be able to say something. So I, I like to facilitate that. I love chaos. And I love bringing order to chaos. Controlled chaos. While still keeping yeah. the chaos. <laughs> right? While still keeping chaos. You know? <laughs> chaos is where is the is where is the soup of is the soup of creativity. That's all the creativity <laughs> comes from that chaos soup. I, so I would argue keep, that all game development is controlled chaos. Like <laughs> that is true. Or just chaos chaos. Yeah, well sometimes <laughs> it is just chaos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? Mm. So um um yeah, I mean, like a a lot of the, a lot of the, the that's kind of like where I'm at right now. What a journey! Holy crap! I spent how long talking about it? Half hour? Yeah. Forty five minutes? Wow! <laughs> oh, we okay. we still got a lot to cover. Don't worry. <laughs> sure, sure, there, sure. There was actually a question that popped up uh, while you were chatting that I wanted to get to from Big Ape. It said, uh, "Is it easier to get into production than art? I have a BS mm. in art and a master's in game design." Should mm-hmm. I drop the art and focus on production? And how would I show my work with no production experience? Yeah, that is a thing. So, because production experience is only the game, right? So, if you never shipped any games, then you don't have anything to show. It it, it depends on the game. So, I think the first question that I would ask this person is, do you like art or do you like production? Because if you go into one of these fields, you got to love it. Right. Yeah. Yep. Don't I agree. go into production just just because you want a job in games and you don't like production, you're gonna hate yourself. Yep. Right. So if you like art, you stick to the art. Right. And if you like the production, I can speak to the production side. Right. And say, how do you get production experience without any production? Um, you know, you didn't ship anything. This is where the indie and the mod community comes in. Yeah. And right? game jams too. Yeah. Yeah. Game jam. Like. Okay, to, to enter into production at the associate level, at the assistant level, or the, the, the entry level for production, the, the simplest answer people technically give is going to QA and move into production. Because production is really management of tasks as they are in a database, on, as well as all the bugs that QA puts inside there and how they're handled. Um, that would, I would say that's more project management. Production, as some people say, go into go into one of these communities. There are hundreds of them now, thousands of them now, right? Kickstarters and stuff, mm-hmm. and just offer your services yeah. to people. You know, just say, "Hey, I want to help. I want to help organize. I want to help you. you. You're not getting paid. You're probably not getting paid, and you have no experience to get paid anyway. But if they're not willing to pay, say, make sure they have a solid, you know, a solid idea." something that's getting traction, something that's going somewhere, so that you can put on your resume, I am working with this gate with this team on this game and I am helping them at a production level. Right? Because most Kickstarter projects don't really have a producer. They have a game designer or mm. a creative person who is pseudo producer. Yeah. And um uh, strangely enough, that is actually how producers came about in games, the, the legend says that um, producers <laughs> originated because the game designer, the lead designer at the time, was the person owning the project. And what was happening was games that came up would have... You play a lot of those old NES and some Super Nintendo games that you notice 
they have some levels that are great and some levels that totally suck and there wasn't uniformity across the mm-hmm. game and it was because the designer liked some levels and gave it more love and didn't like these other levels and then really they so enter this producer aspect where they basically got a project manager from the banks or database or someplace like that to come in and have an impartial view to the game and ask the team, is this up to the standard you guys want it to be? Mm. Okay, cool. If it is, then we're going to maintain it. If it's not, we're going to... So my advice is to step into production. It would mean just putting yourself out there and telling folks that you want to help with things. You don't go on Twitter and you don't go on social media say i'm a producer and I'm looking. but go on the channels like you need to take the step you need to take the step and reach out to people yeah. and say that um um you need to you want to help and producers i'm a i might look it i probably don't look it but i'm a very introverted person but you need to be extroverted to be a producer you're communicating with multiple disciplines you're talking to design, who talks to code, who talks to tech art, who talks to QA, talks to narrative, and everybody speaks a different language, and you have to speak all of it. Yeah. Right. And you know, you need to be able to come up with a common language that they can understand. So it, it helps to be energetic or extroverted or something like that. Well, that's yeah. my two cents. Yeah. I man, I agree with that, and it's interesting too because you touched there on the end the the thing that I was thinking about through that, which is. Like Big A mentioned, he he said he wants to do it all, right? Like wants to have his hand in everything. And that can lead well into production because you have an interest in those things and you can learn the things you need to to be able to talk effectively amongst all the different disciplines. So even if you're not actively participating, you can yeah. have those good conversations with everyone. And, and a lot of times what producers will do is if they come from or have a background in code or in design or whatever, they may be the person who's over that discipline because they have such a connection with it. So there's a lot of opportunities with things like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. You can, you can, um, your chances or your op- opportunities for production, um, improve the more you work on, like the more, I, I remember there was a time we had, um, a producer in Activision who was looking at an associate producer who worked for like a year on a bunch of small projects. And then one guy, that came out halfway through a big project that was cancelled. And the senior producer, his, his name is Matt Hull. Matt is now one of the uh, principal producers on Halo. And Matt was saying, I would take this guy who worked a year on all these small projects over this guy that worked on this big game that cancelled because he knows how to ship a title. Mm-hmm. The guy that worked on, on these small projects, right? Like, Jameson could tell you, I could tell you, anybody here that makes games could tell you, shipping a game, shipping the game getting it on the store shipping the game not finishing it that is very hard to do sure <laughs> it is it is very hard to do right i was talking I, to somebody about that the other day and we're talking about how like 80 the first 80 percent you know anybody can contribute to that the closing yes. part though man that is yeah. that it is so much like it's not 20 percent of the work Right, like not yeah, even close. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that. Actually, that last part—I wouldn't say last part, but the the uh, part that before you go to ship the last six months mm-hmm. or so—makes the difference between a successful game and a failed game. I believe so. Like all yeah. the tech is there, all the systems are there. They're great, they're cool, but it's how they're conveyed to the player and how they understand and how they understand to play the game. Yeah. And um, that is where that is where the you know. 
it's a fine tuning and it's a very exhaustive and time consuming process. Yeah. Right. To, to make changes to things. Yeah. But we do it right. Like I, I, I feel it. like most of the development happens in the last six months, right? Like we, it, we it, make a yeah. lot of changes we didn't expect to make. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is always a case. Um, um, <clears throat> you see, like, um, we always try, they're always trying to put stuff in, put stuff in, but they have a time where putting stuff in isn't going to make it better. It's the stuff that's in that needs to be, needs to be, um, polish needs to be in a really awesome state the best problem to have with a game is for somebody to say the game is awesome i wish there was more of it right yeah right like for somebody to say it's a long game it's okay it takes a while i get it it's cool you know yep, i agree um, yeah yeah so so like um yeah it's, it's a kind of state i really we can talk about this too the state that the industry is in right now i remember I talked to you a little bit about it when we were talking offline the other day. Um, yeah, if we were to talk about that, we could talk about that. <laughs> hey, we, we've we got another hour. We can talk about whatever we want. Anything. <laughs> but Anything. <laughs> before before we do move on too far, we are at the halfway point. So I All have right. I have a set of questions that I want to ask you that I call the dev round. You ready for this? Oh, shit. Okay, let's go. All right. First question. What is uh, your favorite game of all time and why? Contra 3 Alien Wars. Oh, stop. Um, because uh, the second level of the game, which is the factory level, is probably the best level I've ever played in a game ever. All right. It starts off with you hanging on, hanging on the rails, killing enemies, Fighting a boss in the air, climbing up a wall, dodging a boss. It like they threw everything and the kitchen sink at that level. <laughs> you know? There's like four boss fights in that game, in that level alone. And the last boss is the, you know, the one that rips through the wall and you, sh yeah, and yeah. you shoot in the yep. fire. Yeah, yeah. That is, that is my, that game I will play forever. Man, I forgot I mean, like, about that. That yeah, was like, a really that, good game. That, that genre and beat em up games, I told, um, I told the CEO of our studio, it's like, dude, if I had my way, I would just make beat-em-up games for the rest of my life. I, like, Streets of Rage 4 is my jam. That game is <laughs> fun. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the, especially the, um, the roguelike mode that they just put in. I, I don't oh. I just, I just like that. I grew up in the arcade with my Final Fights and my Sega Genesis Streets of Rage. Dude, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that's coming out, Shredder's Revenge. I, would, I, I have mm -hmm. not been more excited for a game yeah, yeah. in a long time. Yeah, and I saw Konami's um, bringing back all the old Ninja yep. Turtles games, yep. and it's like, woo, I hope they do everything. I hope they bring the arcade version and then the crappy NES yep. version. They're all in the there. Turtles in Time arcade version and then the SNES version. Yep. And then Hyperstone. I want everything. It's everything, like 13 everything. games in that bundle. Yeah, Good, that, that one looks awesome, too. Yeah. And then when Limited Run has a thing, I get that, too. Yep. Right? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Mm. Man, that, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Next question. All right. When did you first feel like you had made it in game development? Ooh. You're being very Modern thoughtful. Modern Warfare 3. Modern yeah. Warfare 3. All right. Yeah. That was like, I mean, it doesn't get better than top of the top of the food chain from there, right? Like, at that time, that was it. Um, good good group. A lot of those guys in such time are not there anymore. 
But the energy in Sledgehammer for Mod 3 was so good because that team never worked on a card before, so they were, like, mega hyped for it, right? Yeah. FYI, that Sledge team is the ex-Dead Space team, which are now making close to protocol. Well, it was a mix of Dead Space and Godfather. You worked with a lot of people I used to work with. Okay, yes. Like, Demetrius and... And, um, like Greg Reisdorf, Josh Katz. Yep. Uh, I know Restoff really good. Yeah. Katz is awesome. I know Rosie, his wife. Yep. Um, I talked to them really good. Uh, what about, uh, you know, Chris Stone and those guys too? Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Yeah, there's, there's so, yeah. a lot of those guys I used to work yeah, with. Yeah. 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 So, like, real cool guys, you know? Like, um, Josh Katz was a really nice guy, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, interesting. What about, uh, what's his name? Casper? Yep. <laughs> Casper. Ask Casper about dodgeball <laughs> over at EA. Casper is that guy. I like talking <laughs> to him. He's, he's that guy. <laughs> yeah, real nice. Real nice. They were very excited. And it was an energy that is very rare to have, you know, inside inside a studio. They were excited to make it. Yeah. Yeah, that... I. Yeah, that that was such a good group, and mm. I I was really happy for for all those guys because one they got to work on something great. They most of them got you know they moved in, up into to bigger positions you know as yeah. they did it. So it was a really exciting time. I, I mm-hmm. loved hearing about it. Greg is head of MP now. Yeah, at Sledge. Yeah, um, yeah. Some of them did some really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All right. What advice would you give to someone who's looking for their first job in the industry? Don't give up. Ever. Don't give up. Um, you will... Here's, here's the thing. Don't, don't give up and listen to... like. Don't be discouraged by recruiters because <laughs> yeah. they have some recruiters there. I'll be straight up. They just don't know what they're doing. Right. No matter how how um how how believable they sound, they they don't know what they they don't know what they're talking. About. Right. <laughs> they they say like, oh, we're so excited, and everybody comes in. It's like, no, they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> they're tired. <laughs> you know. Um. So you be do and that's one advice. The second thing is do your research on the studios and their culture. Because it's super important. I talked to a guy at Fulcil who was graduating at the time when I was there. And he said um, he wants to work at Rockstar. And I was like, cool. Why do you want to work at Rockstar? He's like, I like their games. I said, that's not a reason to work at Rockstar. Do you know Rockstar's culture? Rockstar works real hard on their project. Like, they are, you need to live and breathe that stuff, you yeah. know, if you're there. There's a lot I, of burnout you, that used to happen there. A lot of hard, I've heard hard I've heard burnout. it's getting better, but yeah. there was a lot yeah. of burnout. Well, they had a, a big um a a big exodus from Rockstar San Diego, right? Yeah. Uh halfway through Red Dead 2, which is why it it all went to Bungie and Red Dead 2 got delayed for a year. So they um and then they shifted Red Dead 2 to Rockstar Toronto that did Grand Theft Auto and San Diego wasn't happy and blah, 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 blah. and but at the end of the day they work like you need to live and breathe that those games that they work on there so it's it's hard yeah um so he said 
he said he he wasn't paying attention to me, right? And and he said, well, I spoke to a guy and he said he would put in a good word. I was like, what does that even mean? A good word? Like, <laughs> you need to get your foot in the door, right? And that is direct contact with people. Like, start with the community. Start going. Make sure you have a LinkedIn account. <laughs> you know, catalog your stuff in terms of your achievements that are tailored to your work. Don't put. I remember a lot of junior guys coming into games would send me their resume and they would run like John Smith, producer, designer, programmer. It's like, so you want to do everything? It's actually, and they would say, yeah, I want to do everything. Actually, when you send a resume that says that to a big studio, it's an insult to the studio because you're telling them that they suck at their job because all you guys do is production or all you guys do is programming or all you guys do is design and I can do all, right? So tailor your resume to suit the, um, the, the, the area that you want to go into. The bigger the game is, the more specific you have to be. All right. Oh, so good question in chat. How do you learn about a studio's culture? This is something that's hard to do. It's uh, a lot of reading between the lines, and it takes time to do it. But because of social media, stuff comes out very often, right? Like, it leaks out very mm-hmm. often. Don't take everything at face value. Some stuff is like they, they, over, they over-exaggerate it. Because of tabloids like Kotaku and these kind of people like to over-exaggerate it to get clicks and so on. But how it worked for me is um, you would find the developers that you're interested in. You'd see them talking on a, on a, on a vlog or like a um, developer diary. You go and you find them on LinkedIn. You look at them on LinkedIn. You add them to LinkedIn and just say, hey, you know, I wanted to add you to my LinkedIn profile. You don't pitch yourself to them to work. You just say, I want to add you to my LinkedIn profile as a connection because I'm in games and stuff. And then you go look for them on Twitter because a lot of them tweet, all right? And um, just observe how they talk, how they respond, how they say things. Some of them scream, you know? And you get an idea if it's something you like to be part of. Yeah. Don't fall for the don't fall for the recruitment videos. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, um, read, some of like, them. Some of them are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> read, read, like... Talk to the people. Like, if you're interested in production, there are producers that are on LinkedIn and Twitter and these kind of people, and you talk to them, and you know. You know, so that's that's one thing that I have to think about this uh, from the eyes of someone who is not yet in the industry, because you and I, we at least know someone who knows someone everywhere, right? So if if we're interested in a studio, we can ask directly to someone who works there or ping a friend who worked there, knows someone there. Like we can we can get that information, but. One of the things that that I found uh, people having success with in the past is using LinkedIn. You can search by company, right? So you can yep. search to see who works there, see if you have any common connections. And mm-hmm. if you do, ask your friend to ask them to connect, right? Mm-hmm. So then you make that some connection of them don't there. Allow it. Some yeah. of them don't allow it, right? Like right. they have like premium and you need to have like a premium invite. Yep. You can't even message them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, in, but people are usually pretty good about answering questions about what they do and where they work, right? As as much as they can say about what they work, where they work, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and one, one thing that, and this is the thing that I tell people just in networking in general is one thing that everyone knows how to talk about is themselves. 
So mm-hmm. if you ask people about themselves, like, what do you do? You know, like, what what's your day like? You know, those kind of things. People generally are happy to answer those kind of questions as long as they're available and, you know, you're not interrupting them, that kind of thing. But you, yeah. you giving me a shot? <laughs> I giving you a shot. <laughs> oh, man. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it is time. I guess so. All right. Yeah. Well, while I'm doing this, I'm going to ask you the next question. And this, okay. this is one of my favorite questions. Oh, boy. If you were born in the year 1870, what kind of job or career do you think you would have had? Oh, probably something to do with ships. Like, like seafaring? Like, yeah, like seafaring. Like, what, what interests you about that? Uh, I like pirates. <laughs> <laughs> really? Not you want to be a pirate? <laughs> I want to be a pirate. I got a jar of dirt. <laughs> wow. That's, um... That's really interesting. All right. I yeah. mean, I guess you are from the Caribbean, so I mean that makes sense. Yeah, I guess generally speaking, we are. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I am. Well, my wife's here, so yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. All right. So I added yeah. a new question to this today. Oh damn! Okay. And th- this one's easy. Um, but who would you recommend that I reach out to to come on to this show? Ari. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You all would love Ari. Oh, I love oh, Ari. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> he is Ari and Aaron Everhart. Mm-hmm. If you get Aaron to come on. Aaron's already been on. Yep. Aaron's already on. Yep. Ari should be on here. Um, John Stone's interesting guy to talk to now. He's got, like, stories. Because, like, Blizzard has been his dream studio forever finally got in blizzard and he's on back end which is i mean they ain't going nowhere right back end is like you work on back end for a studio you have job security right <laughs> forever <laughs> right um so uh he's in that point he's on battle.net black packet so uh, he's a he's a good guy um we chat all the time and he has had a trip right like he's he's been at ea he was build engineer at EA on Madden. Then he went across to Magic Leap when Magic Leap would have their heyday. When they, I think he went across, I forget where he went after that. And then he ended up at Busia. And also, you had our boy, um, the guy with the amazing hair. Will. Will. <laughs> yeah, Will's Will been on hair. a few times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Will has the gravity defying hair. <laughs> Nobody does the hair like Will. Nobody. I agree. Last, <laughs> so last I talked to him or saw him, uh, he actually grown it out and was doing like a ponytail. So I was like, huh. Whoa. So I'll be curious Whoa. to see if he puts that up, what that's going to look like. Yeah. I want to see what that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's who I recommend. Like first right. and foremost, my boy Ari. Yeah. I will do this. Man, we had some fun. I remember a time Ari and I sat down and played Gears of War 2 and wrote down the number of times you reload your weapon in a level to see how many bullets to kill it. And it was some so stupid. Like it was That's some fun, stupid though. thing. We didn't know we didn't really know design and stuff. We were just like coming up with ideas. It's like, hey, let's see how long it takes to get the bullets to kill an enemy to I don't know. 
I mean, that, that's a really good way to kind of analyze the design of something, right? I mean, yeah, it is. It is. It was, uh, it was the first level of Gears 2. We were just playing it to see. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I yeah. like it. Definitely reach out to him. I'll, I'll actually I'll bug him right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll definitely reach out to him. I'll text him later and just see what i know yeah. some, some some places some roles are you know some companies uh oh, yeah, prefer epic that you don't right funky, so, yeah funky things yeah. yeah epic has been tough mm-hmm. but i did get zach lowry on here who's the the lead on uh on Fortnite now so well, i think i think he yeah. opened the door if well, nothing Ari's, else ari's um produce on unreal 5 he's on the engine side yep um so he'd be awesome to talk to about about that kind of thing yeah, yeah definitely Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I will definitely reach out to him very soon. Nice, nice, nice. Any more questions? No new questions. We got. Well, what chat questions? I, I don't think there's anything in particular at the moment, but I have lots of okay. questions. I always have questions. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's go. Tell Tell me about a time in your career where you weren't sure how you were going to solve a problem. Hmm. <laughs> Um, pretty much everything then. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember, I think the first time I, I hit a wall was when I was in, when I was on COD. I have like a bunch of them, but the first one was on COD where um, we had 140 people in Sledgehammer working on Modern Warfare 3. And that team was mostly working on campaign, right? And then we had all of Infinity Ward working on multiplayer and some campaign. And we had Treyarch working on uh, one campaign level and some co-op stuff. (laughs) And Raven was working on all the co-op, the rest of the co-op, right? Which was at the time that I was Spec Ops, right? Spec Ops. And um, I had to figure out, by the way, I don't know if people know, I had to use Bugzilla to track bugs, okay? Wow. Yeah. Real OG stuff. So I, I, I was asked to find a way to filter the bugs by studio and then by discipline. Okay. Right? And specifically, they just want to know how many bugs per discipline in Sledgehammer in that entire database uh, needs to get vetted and handled by Sledge. Pretty crucial information. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I had to go into Bugzilla. I sat and one of the senior producers showed me like some of the odds and ends with it. And I started to write a script and I had to script everybody in the studio into Bugzilla. Uh, all they need is to, to look for them, and then um, so that and then so I had a, na- a name list of everybody in the studio, but I didn't know what they did. So I had to go and talk to every single person in the studio to find out what they did. Oh wow! So I knew who was <laughs> and stuff, right? <laughs> some of them, you know, some of them, yeah, I do art. Some of them, get away, you know, like pens, right? Um, <laughs> so I go and talk to them. I get those names, and then we um, uh, I would filter it. I used to have to come into work for 7.30 in the morning and pull down the bug database, which was like three to 400,000 bugs. And um, 
um, it would take about 20 minutes to pull that database in, pull that database down. And um, then I would run the filter, that would take another 20 minutes to run. And uh, then I was able to get the list that I needed and distill it, and then put that number on a sticky note and stick it up on Halon's wall so he could see <laughs> by discipline how many bugs per level, per discipline. And then I would have to walk into Condry's office and give Condry a weekly report of the same thing. So every Friday I'd be in Condry's office and I'd give him, Condry is the CEO, of how many, how many were there, right? And um, yeah, that's how I solved that problem. <laughs> that was, wow. That was, that, that, it was really painstaking at first, but after that was done, I didn't have to go through all that. It was just waiting. And so you wait for it to pull down where you're going to make your coffee, have cereal, whatever. <laughs> Man, yeah. that's... Uh, I, I think, first of all, I can't imagine not using bug software that, that does all of that stuff on its own now, right? Like, yeah, right. Like everything, like mm -hmm. Jira, whatever, you know, dev track. You just press a button and everything's there, right? Yeah. Like you just tag it and it's, it's all tags. It. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, yeah, it, it wasn't like that. Then. And also, we had a problem. Like, so anyone played Modern Warfare 3 knew it had like different levels. So it was like Germany and Paris and stuff, right? So, we knew the levels that we were working on. Like, we would be working on the Paris level, <laughs> and, you know, um, uh, Treyarch was working on the Castle level, uh, Infinity Ward was working on the London level. So I would basically look for Paris, and I would put Paris in the search and pull down all the Paris bugs. But it then turned out that the art team was pulling the pipes from the Paris level and putting it in the London level because they were using assets, right? <laughs> yeah. For, as props or stuff like that. So I was pulling down London level bugs. <laughs> okay, let's not do that again, right? <laughs> they would use like Paris pipe underscore one. And it would be like, it would be in a different level because they needed it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's you want to reuse assets like that, right? So that's that's good use yeah, of yeah. an asset, but yeah, <laughs> when, yeah. when you're trying to track it, that makes things a little bit more difficult. Yeah, right. And and then the thing is, like, you don't want to rename the same asset. Blah, 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 blah. Like, we started to get into the weeds here. Um, they also put me to manage um, the asset database where to prevent people from... Um, the, to uh, prevent people from buying assets multiple times. So right. like in Modern 3, uh, somebody went and bought a tuk-tuk, a, a, a right, that we needed for the India level to blow up, to, that needs to blow up, and they put it in the game. And then somebody at Infinity Ward and went, went and bought the same asset again. Oh. This is an, <laughs> and it's a destructible, it's an $800 asset that they just bought twice. Oh, and they didn't man. Know, right? And um, so they said, hey, we want to manage. So what I did was, for some reason, the senior producer who was managing me wanted me to use Microsoft Access, which I don't think exists anymore. He said, I want you to build an access <laughs> database. <laughs> so I built this access database by studio. And every Friday, I would just send that list to Halon and send the list to Halon's equivalent at Infinity Ward. And they would just see, they're like, okay, you have this, and you have this, okay, right, right, right. you don't have to buy all these things. So, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of problems, dude. Um, I think the, the, the craziest problem that I've ever do had to deal with was a mess up where I sent 
So we had a Japanese studio working on Transformers Prime, but we hired a U.S. writer to write the script for Transformers Prime. Okay. And the studio, the Japanese studio, took and they they made some edits to the script that they wanted to put in the game, and it was in English, right? Like <laughs> proper English. And I took that and I sent it to to Hasbro to approve. And Hasbro looked at it and said, oh, yeah, you guys just need to change some things here, change some things here. And then when I sent it back to the, the original narr- narrative guy, he's like, what the hell is this? This is not my work, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, uh-oh, I, I mixed up the script. So Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's not as bad as some other people that cause, like, I don't know, very expensive problems to solve, but uh, that was one. Man, one time I got so sick that I gave it, and I I gave it to story. the whole team. I know this story. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm going to get some water, so I'm just closing yeah, my, yeah. my, uh, my uh, camera for a second. Yeah, no, I, yeah, got, go ahead. Go ahead. I got so sick, and uh, we were finishing up. Uh, it was on the Simpsons game. We were finishing our Core X, which is our vertical slice, essentially. And so I was like there working and I, and it would take like a half hour for the things to build. So I would lay down on a couch nearby and rest. Like I was working around the clock for the most part. Then I got so sick that I thought I was going to die, but almost the entire team caught it. So talking about an expensive mistake, um, everyone think about the amount of man hours that we lost over, you know, a hundred people or so roughly getting sick and, and taking a, time award off for that. i did get an award for that the umbrella corporation award yeah, the, <laughs> yeah. at the launch party so Wait, what was the simpsons game you worked on it, it was the simpsons game yeah okay okay so our ceo uh vlad was um lead on simpsons hit and run game mm. which was a big hit oh yeah simpsons hit and run yeah yeah that was the one right before what we worked on so the, the one we did we worked with gracie so we had all the writers on it we uh, we worked, you know, directly with with all of their producers and everything, which was which was super cool. Uh, it could be frustrating at times, but uh, yeah, it was it was a wild experience. And we built, we basically, you know, the the premise of the game was that the Simpsons find out they're in a video game, so we got to do cool levels like you know a Medal of Honor type level and an EverQuest level and stuff like that. Oh, so that's it was a cool. lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we had a similar experience, but not as fun, which was with the Family Guy game. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your camera's still off. We, Are you back yet? We worked on the um we worked on the so I was with I was on the publishing side of the team for Family Guy Back to the Multiverse. And um um they had so much crazy crap that happened. Sorry, I'm back. Yeah, <laughs> Welcome crazy back. crap that happened on that game. And um um I uh it took like we could not get approval for um uh to get the voice acting of um yeah of Seth oh wow to do because he was two hundred thousand dollars a session right <laughs> and and um, they just told us no you can't do it and we said well we can't ship Family Guy without your voices it'll just be crap right like nobody yeah. wants that so we kind of just went over Bobby's head and bought it oh <laughs> yeah yeah we did he said no and I was at the head of Minneapolis just went over his head and just uh, went and got him to come in. I mean, I mean how can you not? Every- like, he literally right. does, like, all the voices. He does all so. the 
actually, we had we got Cleveland. Cleveland came in. He was super cool. Mila Kunis came in. She was super cool. She was sick, and she still did it. Oh wow! And um, yeah, and and it was it just Seth was and it, Seth was busy doing Ted Ted Two or Ted mm-hmm. at the time, and like he was you couldn't get him, and it ended up working out at the end of the day. But that was a hell of a project. I bet oh. I didn't know you worked on that. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that was, was happening around the time we were working on the Simpsons game because I remember there it was it was roughly like 2000. I think we shipped that in 2006. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it was around that time. That was the 2011 game. Oh, was it? Mm-hmm. Wait, wasn't there? Then maybe it was different because there was one that popped up earlier. I thought there was there was there was one a PS2 one. I think. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. A PS2 one. Yeah, this was Simpson. Uh, this is uh. Family Guy, Back to the Multiverse, or something, oh, the multiverse okay. or something. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, Family Guy, the video game, was 2006. Okay, yeah, that's right. what I thought. Yeah. High Voltage yeah. did that. Okay. Yeah. Holy crap, they're still around doing their things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are they? Buddy yeah. that was on last week is the lead designer there. So. Oh, nice. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, man. A lot of, lot of those interesting things that, that come about or happen when you're, um, you hear about these things that happen. Um, I also talk about, I always tend to ask somebody, so I have a question for you. What was the first, first, uh, how to put a commercial game that you ever worked on? Okay. So now first commercial game that released. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, that. so I actually don't talk about this one very much. Um, this, I, I worked at a small, uh, startup that didn't last very long. And then when that shut down, that's when I, I moved in with Roger Cotton, our, our, our mutual friend. I don't know if you know that. Yeah. I, li- I lived in his garage yeah. for a few months. Wow. I was looking yeah, for he work. was telling me, about, he told me that you guys kind of like bunked, yeah, <laughs> bunked it, together. It, it was awesome. You didn't have a place to stay. You didn't Dude, have a place to stay. <laughs> he 100% like saved my life, which was awesome. Like yeah. I, I had nowhere to go, nothing to do. And yeah. so as I'm looking, uh, I ended up getting this this job at a, at a, at a smaller studio called Lucky Chicken Games. And they were... Ooh. Working with uh, TDK was the publisher, and they were working on the Casper game for the PS2. And so, Ooh. and it was that's finishing up. up. Sale. What's that? That was up in, That's up in full yep, sale on sure the wall somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got my first credit as QA. And uh, actually, I've got the box uh, right up there. I don't know if you can see it. It's right. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Um, but nice. uh, so he, here's let, let me tell a couple stories about that place because it was a wild time. They hired me on and then immediately went into crunch where it was mandatory uh, 12 hours a day, six days a week, and eight hours on Sunday. So I didn't get a day off for like three months and was crunching the whole time. I got super Mm. sick. Like it was the first time I got sick. Uh, I got got really, really bad. Um, But the thing that sucked about it was that I was trying to help them finish this game and I did like, there was not enough dev kits to go around. So <laughs> I couldn't like, like here it's on PS2. The only way to play it, we had one kit for three people that were trying to do this. So a lot of time there was not literally nothing I could do, but I had to be there. So it was just such a frustrating <laughs> yeah. experience, but yeah. in the end, you know, they, they shipped it. I got a QA, uh, you know, credit, t- on, credit it, yeah. on it. So that was my first ship title. So that was, and that's yeah. big in this industry. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. <laughs> Just to say that you come now, nowadays it's, I wouldn't say it's easier, but like they're hiring 
technical folks like like nuts like once you're coding once you uh, i would always tell people to code um but is really do what you love to do but code is they will hire you like that mm -hmm. like and i ain't kidding you know like you graduate with your degree in computer science or uh, or um in uh, code with c++ you you're in yep. you know even at like at some level tools level whatever it is you know even you know c sharp because a lot of the a lot of the tools are c sharp tools sometimes um and, and tools programmers are super 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 important people you need to have you know um yeah the engine in the knowledge too is useful and the engines are free like i um last time i touched unity was when i was at full sale when i went back to full sale so i knew jameson from before but we didn't actually meet in person until like 2016 mm -hmm. when i actually <clears throat> was on my break from games and i went back to full sale to actually spend a year learning code and it wasn't to be a programmer it was just to understand code better from the code side and um we chatted a lot then and um we what i learned is i was you know we were messing around inside unity at that time i haven't touched unity since then and just the other day, I downloaded Unity again. And, well, nobody uses, I guess, um, I guess uh, Jake will talk about this too. Nobody uses uh, Visual Studio anymore, right? At least nobody in our, our studio uses. Everybody uses Rider now, right, for, for, their, for their stuff. And um, so I just got Rider, and I started to get myself back into Unity again and messing around with it. Because I, I tell you, dude, before I die, I'm going to build that beat -em up something. <laughs> I'm going to do it. It's going to happen. You know? Um, so, you got a lot of so itches yeah, to scratch. So. Yeah, dude. Like, I really <laughs> want to build something like that. Like, somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> you know? The, the real pitch would be to go to some publisher and say, just give me a million dollars. I'll make their game. <laughs> and I'll, I'll make it a really good game. How long do you think I, it would I, take like, you? It would take me two years. And uh, it'll be a team of four. Okay. No more than four. You know, uh, outsource what I need to, and then like and and spend that time. Yeah. It's gonna be two years, two years to like build, dev, test, push out. It's gonna be a year of what I'm doing right now, which is just exploring stuff, <laughs> knowing <laughs> the market, knowing where to go, what to build. <laughs> All that stuff has to be ready if I start those two years. Like um um. There's a lot of stuff I noticed with um with uh with the people that play games or like the fan base and developers where there's there's some kind of disconnect here where <clears throat> what the developer explains or says and how it's interpreted by the community is sometimes not they don't align right like something's missing here and you know. They have, yeah, in between all the trolls and all the people making their jokes and stuff, that there's some misunderstanding about how the the effort to make a feature or to build something into the game versus how easy it is to take that feature and improve on it and fix it and make it better. And um, I don't think, I, I don't know if commun the community... Uh, is, misun is misunderstood or is not understanding or some people just get bored listening to the the breakdown you know and they just eh, just just do it just patch it you know um like that's a that's an easy thing to do right 
and um to address issues and stuff like that it, it you start to realize it goes into so many it, it involves so many different people so the first thing is games not this feature isn't doing well um and um how are we going to fix it and then you need to find out why it's not doing well and then you need to talk to the people with the money and say i need money to fix the thing that's not doing well mm. and then you need to convince the people with the money that if you fix the thing that's not doing well it's going to make money right and um and then you have to go and figure out how to fix the thing then right yeah. so there's like all those, those all those things that happen and the people that have the money really the people that play games so you need to know how to break it down for them in a way that they can understand. So you could get your money, and then you could go go to your team and say, "We have to go. We have this money to go fix this thing," you know. Um, so it, it it's a process. It takes time. They want to. Some people would ask, like, "Why does it take so long to fix this thing?" It's like that's why. You know, like you need to go through these channels. Otherwise, you ain't getting no money to do nothing. And we're at a state now in dev where developers want their due. Right, like if you paying us crap, we're not gonna work for you. Yeah, you know, if you treated us bad, we're gonna walk out. And you see that happen with studios now, and um, uh, it's a shift. It's a it's a shift. I think it's a good re- good thing to the thing to because, I mean, Jake could tell you all about his experience at Amazon. Yeah, <laughs> he tell you all about that. Oh right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jake is a brilliant programmer. He just doesn't want to work in games anymore. I That's tried fair. to ask him. He yeah, no, it's <laughs> fair. He's, he's everywhere. Yeah. The, you as know, soon as he gets the pool on the really big, big, uh, big house, he's already <laughs> done that. So mm. <laughs> problem solved. You, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, it, it's games are not for everyone, right? Like there, there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot about game development that I think if you're not into it, you're not interested in it, it would be frustrating, right? Like there's a lot of the, like mm. especially with programming in, sp- in particular because generally in programming it's here's the spec make the thing right yeah that's mm. step one in game development here's the idea make the thing now let's yeah. try the thing does it fit with the other things you know it, <laughs> yeah you know like it's we start that right like it, it's a, a start in the process and there's a whole lot of like hey let's let's change the thing let's alter the thing let's fix the thing like yeah it, it's let's not do it's something not else with the thing let's yeah. try this thing yeah yeah and and then there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen during the development of the product that you just have no control of, right? Yep. So let's just say you come up with this unique thing um, <clears throat> of uh, some kind of guy who's able to drill underground and drill and that's his special ability, drills down underground and does stuff and you fight bosses like that. And then some other game comes out with a very similar idea with a bigger budget and it just it just you know blows you away and there's nothing you could do about it. Your game's been approved, greenlit. You're in development production, and it just so happens that you cross cross paths with it. And although these two games are different, um, Overwatch crossed paths with um, um, Battleborn, mm. right? And they're different games, but it doesn't matter. They're hero shooters, and people just saw it and said, Blizzard game, Gearbox game. Yep. Which do I want? And it was just, Blizzard just had way more marketing power, and, and they got themselves out on the market more. Yeah. Um, I am a, I love 
I love Gearbox games, right? I love their things. So I was willing to give Battleborn a shot. I like the idea. I played the demo. I like I like the campaign. Then they started to have this PvP stuff, which was not. I don't know what they were doing, but whatever happened, it it didn't work, right? Mm. With with Battleborn, and um, I had some folks that worked there and worked on Battleborn, and and you know they were let go because of this bad bad call that they did, you know, um, and but it just so happened. Same thing with um, was the other game that came out. It was Paladins as well. Yeah. It's Paladins yep. or yeah. Or or even like the games that try to compete with League, right? Like uh when Epic tried to compete with League with their with their uh MOBA and then Heroes of the Storm, which is a fun game to play, but League already has the League people, Dota already has the Dota people. It's just um you don't know, right? You don't know. You just have to you just have to work on what you like in some cases it's a short bet, like, okay. Nobody else is gonna make a Spider-Man game because we're making Spider-Man. <laughs> it's a Spider-Man thing, right? Right. But, but it does not mean that somebody's gonna come out with Sticky Man and try <laughs> right. to make kind of, you know, Sticky Man and do some kind of sticky, you know? Sticky Man. <laughs> yeah, right. And um, and I mean, you look on Steam, man. I love the Steam indie market. Yeah. They have. They have so much good stuff that come out on there to just eclipse the stuff that you see on console. The the kind of games that come out is just from like the farthest reaches of of your mind. <laughs> They're on Steam, you know. And um, who would have thought that Vampire Survivors would be like the biggest game, and it's just an idle shooter. <laughs> yeah, and we just can't stop playing it. Right, just best three dollars ever. I haven't played that you know, yet. I'll take a look. Do this. It it is the it is a ridiculously silly and addictive game, and it's tons of fun. And you'll hate yourself for playing it, but you don't care because it's fun. <laughs> it it's really that's that. the best it's kind. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just something. Um, like uh, V Rising is basically the new Valheim, right? V Rising is Valheim with vampires. Okay, and um, and people love it. You know, like people love this kind of this kind of style game for whatever reason. They love it. They just love uh, and and V Ryzen has some PvP in it, so it's like throw a little PvP in there. It's broken. Doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, it's just fun to do. It's just fun to do. So um, that actually, yeah. there, there's actually a question in the chat that's along these lines, which is, mm. how do you go about figuring out what the upcoming trends are in gaming? Yeah, um, there are different ways to go about it. Um, it really boils. <laughs> I can simply just say, how much money do you have, right? <laughs> to be able to pay for um for some community like NPD or somebody to pull their data down and sell it to you. Um, if not, which most of us can't do, you need to you need to have a finger on the pulse. And games are so broad now, and the genres are so far apart now. I think we were talking about this later earlier um um like jeff gertzman left giant bomb because he just couldn't it was just so much happening to him at the time and he said like back in the day giant bomb and GameSpot and ign all these places was this one-stop shop for game reviews and games and people would go there to see what the latest review for the latest game is and that was where they went but today you have twitch streamers and youtubers 
to dedicate their channels just to a game. Like, you want to know about Destiny 2, you go to this guy channel. You want to hear about War, Warzone, you go here. Warframe, you go here. You know, League, you go here. You have your favorite person. Yep. And there's no longer a one-stop shop that does those things. Um, so, so if you want to, if you want to know how, what's the latest trend, you kind of just have to pick your poison. Like, what do you like? What kind of games you like? Like for me, I follow. I like my beat 'em up games, which is very small, very small community. Um, when it comes out, it has its, it, it drops, it drops a little, a, a little bomb, and people hear about Street Fight, uh, Streets of Rage Four, or they hear about, um, they hear about Ninja Turtles, but nobody heard of, you know, the takedown. Nobody heard heard of the Streets of Rage Four clone that came out, which is actually really, really good, and it lets you know, like, if you want to make a game like that. You're going to either have to get an IP or you're going to have to have some sort of leverage in terms of getting your name out there so people are able to know what it is. Um, if it's something like, what's the next big thing after this type of game, this genre? I don't know. And nobody really does in terms of like big time trends. Like right now, I think the big time trend that's coming in is gas games coming onto, onto, um, onto console right which is free-to-play games mm. are now breaking out of mobile and coming onto console oh, yeah. and coming onto pc and there is no escape in it and you can hate it as much as you want it's coming right and that's the next thing right and um before that it was fortnite right fortnite's already downtrending right because and the reason why is the uh the generation of players that grew up playing fortnite have grown up and now they're living their lives and they are looking for a job. They have families and stuff, so they stop playing Fortnite, right? And the younger generation that was playing, um, that was playing Fortnite, uh, that used to watch their big brother play Fortnite is now playing Roblox, right? Or, or something else, right? Mm-hmm. And um, which is a gas game, right? And um, gas is games as a service. And, um, you know, before Fortnite, it was... What was before for League, you know, I guess before League was COD, before COD was Halo, before Halo was Unreal and Doom and Quake and stuff, you know, whatever, right? And and like um it's just gonna keep changing because somebody mentioned to me, we are in a world now where Halo is free and people don't care. I would Isn't say they don't wild? care, but they, Yeah, right? It's like Halo is free and people are not like people just like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like for us, like ten years ago, you tell people that Halo is free to play, they would lose their mind. Well, Master Chief is just that guy from Fortnite, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It, it's a hell of a thing, right? So, so um, I don't know. It, it, it's a huge change for development side because we have to figure out how to make content fast for players that is engaged, keeps them coming back and wanting to play games on a daily basis dude i don't know how to do that like how do we keep people coming back every single day to play? we want something new is like it takes six months to a year to build a big map right and test it and roll it out and yeah. stuff so we can't make one for you next month it can't work right like even if we had all the people it still won't work 
if so, you could, then they would complain that it wasn't included in the game to begin with, right? So. <laughs> yeah, or something, right? Or something. I, 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 so, and they always want more. And, you know, uh, the bar is always raising. And um, I don't know if there's a feeling. I think it'll just raise and then shift, and then raise and then shift, and then raise and then shift. Um, gas is the current way to handle uh, pushing content out to players on a regular basis to keep them engaged without having dev to work around the clock and kill themselves to roll stuff out, you know? Uh, and that's a process too. Man, it's a, it's a hell of a time. I kind of miss these simple games, right? Like yeah. Contra 3. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Contra 3, man. That's, I, I think that's a big part of why classic games and then remakes are are so big right now because a lot of us do miss that. We... Yeah, I miss shorter games too, right? Like, give me something I can beat in six to eight hours. Yeah, like a weekend, right? <laughs> yeah, a weekend. Mm-hmm. The the it is a it was a thought that was coming up. Uh, I was having a discussion uh, with somebody about all these remakes that are coming out, and some people are excited for them, but they're making it so. Modern Warfare Two just got they showed gameplay today or they showed a reveal today. You know, they announced Resident Evil 4. You know, they're, they're remaking these a lot of these games. And that's cool. You know, like, we grew up playing some of those games, and that's great, and that's fun. But this generation of players want their games. Yeah. So where are their right. games? Their original games, right? Because yep. last generation, you know, with people that were growing up on COD, and they said they love Modern Warfare 1 and Modern Warfare 2, and that was great. Um, and the generation before would have the things that they liked. They like they you know they grew up with, like like with something with their Ratchet and Clank games. They grew up with their you know their God of War games, and they like that. But like we want something new. We want something because this generation wants their games to remember, and they don't want to play Resident Evil Four that came out came out um, you know ten years ago or whatever, right? Yeah. They want their game. You're right though. Um, Original IP is too risky and and so remake, yes. That is correct. Um, it's too risky, it's too expensive. Um yeah, that's a that is a big part of it. Like, you see how long they took they took seven, eight years to make Skyrim. They're taking God knows how long to make um uh Starfall, right? Because it's a new IP it's it takes a long time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, if you want to do it in a way that that's worthwhile, right? Like mm-hmm. if, you know, well, speaking of a game like that, right? It, focusing on a new IP instead of making the next Elder Scrolls, putting all of your yeah. resources into that, that, it's a big gamble, right? Mm-hmm. It's also a question with your team, too, because um, your team gets tired of making the same game all the time. That happens, too. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. And... Um, you lose people because of that. So you would lose a brilliant designer or a brilliant coder or a brilliant artist because it's like, dude, I don't want to work on Elder Scrolls anymore. So, but the fans love it. They can't wait for the next one. It's like, yeah, but like, they've been playing it since 2000, 2009 oh. or 2011 11. or whatever, right? Right, 2011. But we've been playing it since 2005. Right, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> like we, are, we are done, <laughs> right? Um. So the money the money helps it goes away but I can tell you there comes a point where it doesn't matter how much money you're paying them. Well you know they, like yeah, like they we talked gonna... about before, you know, I think 
in this industry, you have to care about the work, right? Yeah. And you need new challenges. Like, I think that's a big part of what we do. And, you know, if you're working on the same thing over and over that, that, you know, that desire to, to be challenged, I think it gets a little difficult in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And also you have people at your studio that they have young people at your studio that want to build their career and they want to ship games. Right. And if you're taking seven years to make a game, they're going to leave. Right. That young talent that you're trying to bolster and grow inside your studio, they're going to leave and move to work on FIFA 2095. Right. right. Or whatever, because that rolls out every single year on time on schedule and it's something to put under your belt to say that you know about a project cycle and advancement opportunities right if you're on the same game for seven years you've got the same lead most likely you know there's there's much less turnover or or more specifically room for opportunity if you're if you're on the same thing for too long right there was that's why for a long time at blizzard um there was very little movement inside the studio for positions like yeah i would see an ap position show up an associate producer position show up in blizzard like once one position would show up like every two years oh wow right yeah and and like front associate producer and it's because they only work on wow uh like at the time they were working on wow they were on starcraft they were on diablo overwatch was nothing then and hearthstone was just out so it's like we like the wow team makes wow Right. Um, my buddy who's the uh, in-game cinematic director has been on WoW since 2006. He has been the cinematic director of WoW since 2006. And he ain't going nowhere. Right. Like, great guy. Really great guy. I love his stuff. He's he's good with Channel Chan, But, like, they're there and they stay there. So yeah. that position isn't going to open up if they don't leave. Yep. And it's the same project. Right. So, yeah. It's tough. Yeah. That part is it's it's also a reason why they're expanding their games and they have like this Diablo mobile game and they mm-hmm. have the uh the survival game that they announced, whatever that is. Oh and yeah. stuff like that. They have <laughs> they have new IPs. I'm curious. I'm curious to see what they're coming up with, right? Well, I mean, they yeah. also have had a lot of turnover, so they, there's opportunities they have there had as well. A lot of turn- <laughs> there is if you go on their job site, that blizzard is a completely different blizzard. Yeah. Uh probably for the better. I hope they so. used to be. I hope, yeah, so. I hope so too. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> but but now uh Blizzard is now more on the Activision side in terms of you know, Blizzard always used to have the saying when it's ready, TM. Yep. <laughs> um now it's you ship when Activision says it ships, right? Which yeah. means yeah, you guys are on a treadmill now too, because after this thing happened at Blizzard, you know, um, they needed somebody to put a handle on it. And, um, you know, Activision is the parent company. They are responsible. So they have to do their things. For now. So, yeah. <laughs> until Microsoft, you know. <laughs> so all that finishes. Yeah. Well, hey. Talk about culture. What do you want to know? Oh, we're talking about, you were, I think they were commenting on the, the culture of Blizzard oh, yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. We actually have just about hit time. And before okay. before we do, I want to ask you mm. if people mm. want to get in touch with you, have questions, mm. that kind of thing, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm always on Twitter. Um 
at underscore Shiva D. I'll put it here at underscore Shiva D. That's me. Sweet. Yeah. Always on Twitter. I'm Excellent. very um I'm very how to put it, uh nebulous with my remarks. <laughs> I would just put up some some uh some meme gif or something there that um uh represents how the day was, whether it's somebody tired or somebody just says, Okay. But it's never I never like rant about stuff, right? I would just make a little <laughs> joke about it and so on. Well, it, it's games, dude. It's gotta be tiring, and it's yeah. You gotta you push yourself, right, um, to do awesome stuff. Well, you also have to be careful talking negatively in this industry because it's so you small, don't do right? That. Like you don't it's you a, don't want to be a, doing that. It's a it's a everybody hears everything in yep. this industry. You burn a bridge in one place, I guarantee, I guarantee, the next place you go to, even if it has nothing to do with the other place. <laughs> They're going to know. Yeah. Well, like we said, you and I, through one, maybe two connections at most, could reach out to someone just about anywhere, right? Yes. Like the the industry, we all move around a lot. We keep a lot of Mm. connections. Like it's it's a very small industry. Everybody knows everybody. They really do. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. This is awesome. Yeah, man. We should do this again. Absolutely. Probably uh, me and Ari come on a day. Uh, there you go. We can do that we're too. A, we're a dangerous duo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I have a feeling if you guys came on together, I would just sit back and listen. Because <laughs> yeah, we have a lot of stories. Oh, gosh. We have a lot of stories. Hey, that's, That'd be great. that sounds fun. If we actually do like a full Sally thing, like with Ari and Erin. Oh, there's a um, bunch. Like a lot of my yeah. guests tend to be people from Full Sail. So <laughs> yeah, you can just do a thing like a reunion thing. That would be cool. I'm gonna start doing it by years, right? Like here's the grads from this year. Right, we bring right. a few yeah, of them yeah, in yeah. together. Like talk about yeah, what yeah, it was yeah. like then and getting into the industry yeah. in 2000 and whatever. Like yeah, yeah, yeah be yeah. fun That'd conversations. That would be great. Cool. All right, man. I'm gonna <laughs> jump off and say my goodbyes. I appreciate you already. And uh, we will get Thanks in touch soon, me. figure out another another reason to do this. It'll be good. Yeah, sure, for sure. All right, Bye, man. guys. Later, Thanks buddy. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, you can join us live every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv forward slash Jameson Doral. Every Tuesday, I'll have a new podcast episode ready for you. Be sure to follow me on all of my social media using the links in the show notes and join the Dev Team Discord to be a part of the conversation anytime. We'll see you soon.